Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 84 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Just a reminder, this coming Sunday, October 9th, Mark and I will be live in New York City at the Hudson Mercantile. We're doing two episodes live. We've got special guests, John Hodgman, John DiMaggio, Gene Gray, Doc Hammer, Jackson Public, and opening for us is the lovely Carter Parton Rogers. Tickets are only $15. You can get them right now at bit.ly forward slash we got NYC. That's all lowercase. That's all you need to do. And hey, while you're at it doing stuff for the show, I have one more small request. Can you rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already? It means a lot and it helps new people find the show. And now, without any further ado, here's episode 84 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Harry Potter film. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. You know what? You're right. We got this. You're a wizard, Hallie. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a wizard. That's my Jim Dale <laughs> Harry Potter audiobooks impression. I love Jim Dale. I've loved him since Pete's Dragon. And I listened to Chamber of Secrets as an audiobook. Uh, I feel like the voice that they gave Dobby was just the Jim Dale voice from the recording. Yeah, it's very, very similar, but I do think – I love those books too. When I first drove across the country from Philadelphia to Los Angeles, I listened mm-hmm. to the first three Harry Potter audiobooks. Oh, geography brag. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't – I've I've made some long drives and I've listened to a lot of <laughs> Jim Dale doing the Harry Potter gang. And that's my – the Hermione, all the kids are some version of, ooh, Harry, you're going to do this, uh, go there, ooh, wizards, ooh. <laughs> So, if you haven't guessed by now, today's topic is uh, Harry Potter. Specifically, we're not going to delve into the books right now, mainly because we're going to deal with them later, and also because I've only read the first two. Um, so this is this is strictly this is strictly the Harry Potter movies. I'm a huge Harry Potter movie fan. I just don't have time for books, you guys. I got a lot of strategery to play on the subway. I don't have time to read a book. (laughs) Now, you were just in Europe. I was. I just got back from three weeks in Europe. I went to visit, uh, I, I went to, for a wedding, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, in the south of France for my dear friends, Aaron and Paul, who I love. Shout out to Aaron and Paul. And, um, I, while I was, I decided I'd never been to Europe before. So Juliana and I made a big trip out of it. We took three weeks. We went to France, to Monaco. We walked a tightrope at this place called Mas Pinay that our Cirque du Soleil friends in France run in the middle of nowhere. Then we went to Paris and stayed at another friend's apartment for a few days. Uh, went up to England to uh visit London and some friends there and then for her to go uh hang out with her college buddies because she went to school in uh Guildford just outside London. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the University of Surrey. Yeah. Uh then we flew to Italy. Uh we went to Rome for a day 
and then we went to Florence for three days. And then on our way home, we had a 24-hour layover in Moscow, which I thought was a great idea when we booked the tickets. Turns out, if you want to go to Moscow, you have to not only get a visa from the country, which is somewhat prohibitively expensive, but in order to get the visa, you have to be invited to Russia. Uh, and the way that you get invited to Russia is uh, <laughs> when a Russian invitation company uh, receives money from you and they invite you to Russia. It sounds like uh, racketeering to me. Sure does. I'm pretty sure this is just racketeering Russian oligarchy style. The government gets their money in visa form. The uh, the private guys get their money in uh, invitation money form. But I don't want to I don't want to throw shade at Russia for their uh, oligarchy and their mafia because I want to be alive for the next little while. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a really fun trip. It was my first ever trip to Europe. That's the Super Reader's Digest version. Um, but it was, it's, yeah, it's an amazing, really fun place. And if you're going to go to Europe, I highly recommend doing what Juliana and I did, which is plan for it in February and go in September because it's way less expensive if you just kind of nickel and dime uh, flights as they become cheap or yeah. train tickets and you never really even notice the, uh, the, the budget crunch that it puts you under. Europe on a budget. Yeah, Europe on a budget. Perfect. Um, stay with friends and go to grocery stores instead of restaurants. Well, I look forward to seeing all the pictures from your trip because we are going to be in the same city this coming week. Oh, I man, mean, am I excited. As of the release of this episode, I am in New York with you because we're doing what? a show. Yes, this is the magic of recording. Um, we have our show on Sunday the 9th. That's right. Sunday the 9th, we are doing, um, am I, can I say what, a little bit of what we're doing? We, we've announced the guests. Oh, we're going to break it up topics. into two episodes. Don't say the topic. I topics, won't say the topic. Please. We're going to break it up into two episodes because we have a lot of amazing guests, uh, coming and joining us. The creators of Venture Brothers, uh, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. And we also have, uh, rap superstar Gene Gray, mm -hmm. uh, Brooklyn's own and a dear friend of ours in the show. And also, uh, John Hodgman. Our, uh, our esteemed colleague on the Max Fun Network. Yes, guest in residence. Guest in residence. And, uh, our good buddy, John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender on Futurama, Jake the dog on Adventure Time, and one of the funniest people I've ever met. So, uh, this is going to be a really, really great treat. Yes. And Carter Parton Rogers is opening for us as always. That's right. Our, uh, our perennial opening act, Carter Parton Rogers. Yes. And who is, uh, did I use perennial correctly there? Yeah, I think you did. I, okay. As far as I know, you did. And the, she does that mean that she blooms all the time? Because she does, you guys. Yeah, she's constantly in a state of bloom. Oh, all right. I uh, like that. Also, you do not need, if you're in town for New York Comic Con or, or going to be in town, you don't need a badge to come see our show. You can go get tickets right now. Just go to bit.ly forward slash we got NYC, all lowercase. But that's enough plugging. We're going to go back to London, Mark. I know you just uh, returned from there. Ugh, but we're going I back. just left. We're, we're going to explore the, the films of the Harry Potter world. All uh, – what are there? Eight of them? Eight films? There are eight movies. There are seven books and the last book was divided into two movies. But if you're listening to this episode, you probably know that. Yes. And this topic was suggested by Moxie Malahan, which is a great name. Hello, Moxie Malahan. Big fan. I, I suspect it might be a, 
uh, a stage name or a nom de plume just because mm-hmm. of how great a name it is? Uh, I don't know. Moxie is an actual first name. Uh, Moxie Crime Fighter Gillette, Penn Gillette's daughter. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is. So is this Moxie, is this Moxie Crime Fighter Malahan? <laughs> yeah. Is your middle name Crime Fighter? Please say it is. Are you, are you a recently married member of the, uh, Gillette family? Yes. Are you? Not the razors, the magic. <laughs> oh, the magic um, Gillettes. The simple. All right. So, uh, so let's talk Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, did you enjoy these movies? Were you a fan of these movies? I was, and I came into it, I think I was, um, like five books in when mm-hmm. the, when the first film came out, or maybe four of the books were out, something like that. Oh yeah, oh, the, wow. I think the first four were out. So I'd already read them. I was really excited to see the films. Uh, I've enjoyed all of them. I saw every single one in the theater. So yes, I am, I definitely am a fan. I have been sorted into a house. Ooh, that's right. You can go on Pottermore, JK Rowling's, uh, Rowling, Rowling, Rowling. Sure. Uh, JK Rowling's, uh, website, Pottermore, and you will get sorted into one of the four houses of Hogwarts school. Uh, the Gryffindors are the brave, the Slytherin are the evil, the Hufflepuffs are the wusses, and the Ravenclaw are the nerds. Um, so what house did you get sorted into, Hal? I'm a Gryffindor. We're the brave. I agree with uh, some of those assessments. I will say that the Ravenclaws <laughs> are the wise and the clever and the ones who solve problems and are studious, yes, but are also uh, pretty darn important to the Harry Potter universe. I am a which, Ravenclaw. Uh, which members – of the uh, which members of the Harry Potter uh, world that we know of from the movies are members of the Ravenclaw house. I believe Cho Chang is a Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, major major character through the whole series. I I believe I'm just pointing out that Harry, Hermione, and Ron are all Gryffindors. I know Hermione was was almost sorted into Ravenclaw. She she exhibits a lot of Ravenclaw tendencies, <laughs> and I believe. Cedric Diggory might be a Ravenclaw as well. Ah. Well, and we all know what happened to Cedric Diggory. Oh, sorry. He was a Hufflepuff. He was a Hufflepuff? So, ugh, no we, wonder. We all knew what was going to happen to him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's cool. He's a vampire. He can't die. That's true. That's true. All right. So, uh, so let's, let's dig into these movies. Um, we've been throwing out some names and some, uh, some, characters and some jabs so far this is going to continue so if you uh if any of that confused you this may not be the episode for you but keep listening but please keep listening we'll 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 teach you all about the harry potter universe um i never know how universal to keep the episodes you know what i mean well you know what we're talking harry potter so we're gonna have to dig in at least some true that's true but i i think we need to look at these Completely independent of the books as much as we can. Just as movies. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I think it would, if I could make generalizations, uh, across the board, if I could break down the whole series. Sure. Into just a short version of it. The first two movies, Chris Columbus, uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, kids movies. Things got darker with Alfonso Cuaron coming in for the third movie, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. The fourth movie, um, The Goblet of Fire, which was directed by, remind me. Goblet of Fire was Mike Newell. 
Mike Newell directed uh, Goblet of Fire. And then the final four movies were David Yates did the final four films, which were um, uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Yep. Then Half-Blood Prince yes. and then the two Deathly Hallows movies. Correct. So you've got kids movies, a little darker, uh, the sports one, and then, <laughs> uh, and then the, the saga of the four movies that Yates did. So then uh, let me ask you this. I feel like as mm-hmm. somebody who has read the, the vast majority of the books, I think I may have, uh, I may still have to read the Deathly Hallows and, mm-hmm. and possibly even, um, the one before it. Because they, I read all the books and then it took a few years for the other ones to come out. And what happens with me then is I forget what happened. Right. I forget enough of what happened that it sort of drives me. I, I go, oh, well, I, I, I can't get back into the book as much because I, the forgot. books should begin with previously on. Yes. Yes. Uh, right. I wish they did, but so. So for me, watching the movies, I was basing them off of how closely they followed the books because you see what Mm -hmm. stuff was left out, what stuff you wish had been in it, what stuff you wish had maybe been handled differently. But uh, regardless, you know, those are – I'm curious how you would rate these films as someone who's not as familiar with the books really. What makes a good Harry Potter film for you? For me, uh, a good Harry Potter film is a combination of really fun, cool, interesting, magical uh, elements mm-hmm. and also just real growing up moments. Okay. And these – I mean it's it's mythology. It's, it's a – you know, it's – if you go to, uh, not to sound like a real jerk, uh, if you go, it's like Joseph, um, Joseph Campbell sort of elements of mythology and the hero's quest and the person who is asked, uh, who, of whom too much is asked and all of those sort of classical elements that make a great, uh, that make a great coming of age story told out over, uh, eight movies, uh, that mixed in with, you know, Mer- mermaids and dragons and uh magic and time travel and uh hippogriffs and you know all all the cool elements that make it Harry Potter. That to me is what makes a good Harry Potter movie. Okay. Fair enough. Um but it for me is as much about the human element as it is about the magical element. Right. Yeah, I think that the character development is is certainly one of the things that makes the books so interesting and that that mm-hmm. follows over into the movies. I mean, you, you point out, like, there are kids' movies that it gets darker and, and the books and the films grow up with the characters, which is really kind of refreshing in books and also in films. So you can mm-hmm. enjoy them with your family. And as your kids get older, they'll be able to appreciate more and more of what's going on in those films. Absolutely. Uh, so should we dive right in and try and pick which of these is the absolute best? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I it. feel like now I'm going to preface this with I love all of these movies. Uh, we are going to eliminate some, but that doesn't mean they are not wonderful movies. I am currently wearing a Deathly Hallows T-shirt and a Harry Potter scarf uh, because I knew we were recording this episode. And though no one will see it but me, it makes me happy. <laughs> um, so we are fans of this world. Yes. That said, I think there are a couple that we can eliminate right off the bat. Don't don't you think before we jump in that 
we're not going to choose the film. The film is going to choose us. Just like I feel like, yeah, we're like, going to put all seven films on our head or all eight films on our head. Well, I mean, this and then, I'm, I'm talking more about like Ollivanders. The the wand chooses the wizard. Oh, oh, right. oh. And by yeah. the way, uh, not the not the sorting hat. I didn't know if you knew this, but Garrick Ollivander is a Ravenclaw. So that's weird. Just thought I'd point that out. Look, Famous I'm not. Ravenclaw. I'm not. Harry Potter, man. Okay. Harry Potter's a Gryffindor. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. I'm just saying, bro. Yeah. He brings death upon a bunch of people and creates a lot of trouble, but that's cool. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Gryffindor. Tell that. Tell the Diggory family how great Harry Potter is. We will when we deliver his ashes. That's Hufflepuff. Oh. He's not Ravenclaw. Look, it's tough. We get it. All right. Um. So let's. So yes, the uh. The, you're right. The wand chooses the wizard. Yes. Uh. So let's. Uh. Let. I can. I think I can eliminate right off the bat. Um. Chamber of Secrets and uh, Deathly Hallows Part One. The main reason being, I'm, I'm now I'm eliminating them two at a time here. Wow. Um, and I don't. I, I Chamber of Secrets is so long, and it's. <laughs> I like. Look, I know I, that's such a that's such a jerk way of You're such a of eliminating. The movie's but it's too long, man. It's a three-hour movie, and not only is it long, mm-hmm. it is also pretty convoluted. And I had okay. even even though I, that was one of the ones I read, I had a tough time following exactly what was happened. And there's mind control in it, and and uh, a phoenix brings Harry the sword for the basilisk. I mean, it's it is there's a lot going on in that one, and uh, it just felt. It felt, uh, of all of them, it was the one that I, I will not necessarily leave on if I'm flipping through the channels and I happen to pass freeform and it's on. I, I do remember being kind of underwhelmed by, by the first two films, by, by both, um, Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone and Chamber mm-hmm. of Secrets, Pro- probably for that same reason. The books are, and the films are meant for a younger audience. They do a great job of establishing the visual language and the musical language of the world. And they introduce us to the fine actors who are going to play Ron and Harry and Hermione for all eight films. But yeah. at this, at the same time, they, they both suffer not as convoluted. I guess, I guess Chamber of Secret, Secrets is kind of convoluted and. I'm okay with eliminating that. It's, I don't think it's the best of these films anyway. Right. I do. Um, uh, so I have no problem eliminating Chamber of Secrets. I, well, while we're talking about the establishing that, uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets did, good job to the casting department for that movie. No duds. No. Like, like you can, uh, you can get kid actors and be like, oh, they're great, you know, in this first movie when they're nine. But, uh-oh, as they're getting older, things are getting awkward and they're not very good. These kids all remained pretty darn good. Well, I mean, you give props to Chris Columbus, who has worked with a series of really great child actors. And the, yeah. the producer, David Heyman, who was his producing partner, who was the only person who produced all of the films, was actually a producer on them. J.K. Rowling listed not know as that. an executive producer. Chris Columbus produced a, um, the first he was directed the first two and produced the third one. May have been an EP on the other ones, but David Heyman was sort of in the trenches for all of them, as far Good as Good job, I know. David. Um, 
And that said, we're eliminating the second movie that you made yes, in this, uh, yes. octology. Now, I'd, I'd like to come back to Deathly Hallows part one, if, if I may. Can we, can we maybe, rather than try and pick these and eliminate them, can we go through them in order? Sure. So, um, so let's, we'll do it a little bit out of order to start. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, uh, the very first one, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or if you're in, uh, England, the Philosopher's Stone. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it plays like a Christmas movie to me. That one feels like a Christmas movie. Yes. Because it's magical and fanciful and there is our Christmas elements to it. And the way that we are introduced to this world is through Harry's eyes. And it is, we are given the same wonder and awe that Harry has. Yes. Absolutely. It, it's hard to go, well, this isn't the best film because mm. It lacks the depth of some of the other movies. It lacks the right, performances but it introduced of some of the other us, movies. But it also created the – like you said, it created the visual language. Yes. We know what the Great Hall at Hogwarts looks like because of the art design of the first movie. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and again, the, the casting in this Pretty film perfect. is so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robbie Coltrane is Hagrid. Was the guy like you would go, Oh, this should certainly be like he's the actor to play that part long before he was ever cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Griffiths. I feel that way about all of them. Yeah. Richard Griffiths, Richard Harris, who obviously didn't live through oh. the entire series. John Hurt, Alan Rickman. Neither Fiona of the Richards Shaw. made it. Yeah. Maggie Smith, Julie Walters. I just like a great cast. Uh, of- John Hurt is Ollivander. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's correct. Boy, yeah, it's every great Brit was in that series. Yes. They somehow got them all in there. Yes. And now, which is cool to see a new generation of great Brits getting into the next round. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne, one of Britain's uh, treasures, is the star of the next movie. Yes, which is also directed by David Yates, who – this will be his fifth Harry Potter cinematic universe film that he's directed because he did the final four films, which, which we will get to in time. But there is something mm. seeing the the Hogwarts Express for the first time, seeing Hogwarts for the first time, seeing the Sorting Hat. There's a magic to to this film being first in the same way that the original Star Wars film, if you look at it objectively, may not be the 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 best crafted Star Wars film that was made. I still think that that's Empire Strikes Back, and and we determined that when we went through that series. But sure. In like our second episode. Yeah. And the, the first Star Wars film was establishing a language that was sort of patchwork to get together, but was something original that we had not seen before. This was, mm-hmm. I think the stakes were higher with the first Harry Potter film because the books were such a sensation. And now we're going to see them on screen. So if things are, are way off, then that would have derailed the entire film series. There wouldn't have been. More outside of the second one because I think they filmed them back to back because they came out a year apart, 2001 and 2002. So mm-hmm. the fact that that film, even with its flaws, gets so much right and real, you really go like, Oh yeah, this is, this is how it should be. This is exactly th- somehow they've captured what I have in my head and put it on screen is a real achievement. And shout out to John Williams for the music. And establishing that, uh, that audio quality to the movies that really, uh, really set the tone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so that's, that's a keeper. That's the first two movies. I, I say that, that, uh, Philosopher's Stone 
slash Sorcerer's Stone is is the keeper is a keeper so far. I would put that up as a finalist. Okay. Um take that, Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle, go back to your toilet. <laughs> that ghost lives in a toilet. <laughs> Dumb ghost. Uh, Moaning Myrtle shows up in Chamber of Secrets, yes. Yeah, because the portal is through the bathroom. Yes. Uh, she shows up again later on in Goblet of Fire, but we'll get to that. Uh, the third film, this is when it took a darker turn. This one is, this one is uh, a big, big contender for me. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. The Prisoner of Azkaban is, um, Harry spends mo, for those who don't remember, we can give a little recaps. Harry spends most of the movie trying to avoid an escaped criminal. Only to find out that the criminal is misunderstood and, uh, is actually his very dear godfather and, uh, and 100% ally Sirius Black. Uh, yes. and all of this is revealed in the end through a series of Back to the Future-esque time travel, uh, shenanigans. <laughs> Which I love. I love the time travel stuff. I love the time turner. There's a whole scene where strange things are happening that are helping out Harry, Ron, and Hermione. That the first time I saw it, I was like, what is happening? What's going on here? And then they get the time turner and then turns out it's them helping themselves out from later on. It's like watching a a, a mystery movie when they do the big reveal at the end, uh, how they did it. So there's that element to it that I love. But also, I feel like this one... This one is the one to me that uh, ends so hopefully as the world. He creates such a bleak world with this movie. Um, not bleak, dark. Um, yes. The with, tones, with the, the colors, the, everything's a lot the more. The dementors, mm-hmm. the yes, all of the elements that have been added in. Um, all of that, I feel like, uh, creates this darkness in the world. But in the end, Harry has. Serious Black. Harry has finally got a father figure in his life. Yes. And also this film was directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who's one of the terrible triplets along with Guillermo del Toro and Alejandro Inaritu. Um, and he is an Oscar winner for right. Gravity. A great movie, Gravity. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a masterful filmmaker. And yeah. that- speaking of keeping things dark. Literally, middle of outer space, no light. <laughs> Don't get no darker than space. <laughs> That's NASA's new slogan, if you're not aware. Don't get no darker than space. <laughs> well, they tried using the, the the tagline from Alien for a while, but nobody wanted to work for it. NASA, in space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> I don't know why that didn't catch on. Yeah, I know, it's weird. I, I remember it. I remember it well. But I think, again, this is another film that I would keep as a finalist because it is mm-hmm. so well crafted and you're emotionally invested in it, but it also honors the visual language that's set up in the first two films. It doesn't, he doesn't come in and throw everything out. He comes in and makes it his own, which is the hallmark of a, of a very skilled filmmaker who has to step into an existing series. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he took what existed already and gave it a little bit of that Quaron. Hey, here's a thing that I'm doing with it. Right. And so we move on. And by the way, also Gary Oldman is serious black. Come on. Yeah. That's pretty incredible casting. Cause I always think of Gary Oldman in super weird, uh, super weird things. Right. And like super weird roles. Yeah, but for him to just be 
No, he's just uh he's just a like romantic lead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's weird for for uh for Gary Oldman, but man, he's such a good actor. Uh one more thing I would like to throw out about Prisoner of Azkaban is it introduced us to one of my favorite characters, which is Professor Lupin. Okay. Uh, I love that character because he's such a good guy. Werewolves have always intrigued me. Oh, spoiler alert. He's a werewolf. Uh, <laughs> werewolves have always intrigued me because he's, he's such a good guy, mm-hmm. but then he becomes to, through no fault of his own, this, uh, vil- not villainous because it doesn't have any ill will. It's just what werewolves do. They hunt and they eat and they're mean. Right. Um, and that, and so to watch a man go through that and David Thewlis, is fantastic in that role. Yes. And when you see the brotherhood between Lupin and Sirius Black, you know that these are good guys. Uh, shout out real quick to J.K. Rowling uh, creating maybe the best clue as to who's a good guy and who's a bad guy in her series. And that is telling Harry that he has his mother's eyes. Oh, I never picked that up. Whenever someone does that, they're a good guy. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if that's, at least that's in my experience and my estimation and what I've seen. But, uh, that's, that's the feeling that I get from it is everyone who tells Harry that he has his mother's eyes turns out to be on the side of right. Oh, anybody out there, I know there are people out there who are, who are bigger Potter fans than, than you or I. Mm-hmm. Please, can somebody verify this? Cause I love, I love the idea that it's true. I really want it to be, but I also want to know for sure. Yeah. I've never read it anywhere. I hope that it is true because that was what it felt like. And in the end, uh, in the, in the final movie, when Severus Snape has been attacked by, uh, by Lord Voldemort's snake and is, uh, lying there dying, the last thing he says to Harry and the way that Harry knows is he was a good, that he was a good guy is he says to him, you have your mother's eyes. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. It's amazing, oh, right? Gosh, yes. that scene. Oh, anyone who didn't cry at the Snape scene in in the second Deathly Hallows movie, the finale. Oh man, I I I wonder where which Horcrux you put your soul in. How often do you cry, or have you cried during these movies? During these movies, uh, there's a point in just about every one wow. <laughs> that gets me. Even Chamber yeah. of Secrets. Um, no, not Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chamber of Secrets. Look, any any sympathy I had for that movie was eliminated by Dobby. He's the Jar Jar Binks of the Harry Potter universe. I don't think so. I like Dobby as a character. I sorry, I have to disagree with you on that. Maybe because I'm rooting for Harry and the gang so much that watching Dobby come in and screw things up makes me go, Dobby. <laughs> he does have that Jar Jar element to him, but. Yeah. He's also a, a highly sympathetic character. I think that's true. I find um, him to be highly sympathetic. I, and yeah, interesting he's, and he is as low on the totem pole as you can get. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about Goblet of Fire. I loved Goblet of Fire. I liked Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. You didn't love it. You liked it. I, you know, I, I'm trying to stay objective. From from being a book reader to a film watcher, but the mm-hmm. book is – I think the book is so much better than the film. The film okay. felt – We're talking about bit, the films. The film felt a little bit muddled to me 
and it felt like it was trying to do too much. Uh, there are characters that were introduced that I wasn't a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rita Skeeter, I didn't need right. necessarily. Um, but that movie to me, I mean, I love a sports movie. I'm a sucker for a sports movie. And the way that that is plotted, yes, the whole, uh, Mad Eye Mooney, um, it has secretly been this other guy drinking polyjuice potion the whole time. Right. That is, that's a little convoluted. Um, how Harry gets involved and gets to the Triwizard Tournament because it's, uh, this port key. It's the con, the plot is a lot. It's a lot to deal with, uh, nearly Chamber of Secrets level, but it's just so fun. I mean, the visual of that dragon, uh, Harry on a broomstick versus the meanest dragon at Hogwarts is such a fun scene. Yeah. It's, and it's also good. that is, that is the one I, like I mentioned before, I love the, I love the human elements along with, uh, along with the fanciful ones. So yeah, a, uh, a dragon, a, a scene of Harry on a broomstick fighting a dragon is amazing, but so is, a scene of all of them getting dressed up and going to their first school dance and acting awkward and not knowing what to do and people crying and people sitting bored and rolling their eyes and the biggest nerd in the place having the time of his life. Like those sort of um, there, there are elements to that movie that don't just have to do with the Triwizard Tournament. Sure. And You're- also we get to see the birth of Voldemort. Right. Okay. I, this this movie has a lot going for it. All for right. me, this is the, this was the one that went, this is where we are, like, Prisoner of Azkaban shifted to a darker tone. Goblet of Fire shifted with, uh, with the death of Cedric Diggory when something that the schools have done that was just a fun, uh, the Triwizard Tournament is a, this periodic great thing. It's like, it would be like, you know, if you're watching the Olympics and, the world's greatest evil shows up and, you know, stuff gets real, real fast. Okay. I think that's a great turning point in the series. And I think it's, it's a contender for me near the top. I realized that maybe they didn't have everything from the book in there. I didn't read the book. So. Okay. I'm speaking strictly as this episode dictates as a movie. I fell asleep during the movie, but that's fine. Oh, we can, how? we can bring it out. All right. Maybe I was tired. Maybe I shouldn't have gone to as late a movie I went to, but how about this? I'm going to take a quick power nap while we okay. listen to uh, some offerings that you can only find on the Maximum Fun Network. How does that sound? Sleep tight, buddy. I'm going to listen. All right. I love forget me not. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents, heartfelt stuff. It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. It might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. 
I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. Hal, Hal, wake up. Huh? Wake up, Hal. Okay, I'm up. I'm up. You up? Yeah. Okay, okay I am good to go. Um, great. So we had just finished Goblet of Fire. Yes. And we were moving on to the next movie in the series, another one of my absolute favorites, Order of the Phoenix. Yep. Uh, Order of the Phoenix is Harry, Harry's first foray into taking a leadership role. Um, and fighting the system. I'm always a fan of rebellion and bucking the system. And when you've got a villain like Umbridge, Professor Umbridge, yes. who comes from the Ministry of Magic and takes over the, uh, first the defense against the dark arts class and later the entire school yep. in this, uh, sort of, um, uh, What's the word that I'm looking for? Totalitarian regime that she builds. Yes. Boy, is she a good villain. Ooh, she's such a good villain in this movie. Yes. Yeah. She's that's Melda um, Staunton. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's a wonderful, wonderful actor. Yeah. Um, so Dolores Umbridge, a great villain. And this, I feel like, is the first time in the story where if we're watching the arc of growing up in its entirety, um, this is the first time that the students take a proactive move toward maybe the authority is not always right. Right. And that I think is a huge, a huge turning point in someone's life. So they really do. The, these stories really do hit all of these great life turning points. Plus, there's an amazing battle at the end of this one between Dumbledore and Voldemort in the Ministry of Magic. That yep. sort of fire and ice battle that they have at the end. It's very uh, heat, like a good version of the yeah. gunfight from heat. <laughs> or superior. Um, and just as quickly as Harry gained hope when he discovered his father figure, Sirius Black, that hope was dashed and eliminated. Yes. Uh, when Sirius Black was killed by uh, Bellatrix in this movie toward the end. And just that that sort of mother courage silent scream that he lets out is is gut-wrenching. I realize it was only silent because the audio was uh, <laughs> deliberately quiet. <there. laughs> I don't know. Maybe he wasn't actually screaming. Yeah, maybe he was just letting out a, a terrorized yawn. Yeah. Um, thoughts? I didn't mean to. Uh, I didn't mean to. No, I um, I like this film that. a lot. I like how it moves the overall story of the universe forward. I love all the performances in it. Um, Imelda Staunton in particular shines in this movie. Oh. That little laugh, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she's great. The formation of Dumbledore's army, like everything in it is so good. And David Yates, this is his first time directing in this world. And you feel good about him moving forward as director for the series because of how well he nails everything down here. I do enjoy the movie a lot. I, I mean, it's good. 
it's again like you're looking for finalists among a bunch of films that are really really good. Do mm-hmm. I do, w- would I compare it most closely to uh, Prisoner of Azkaban? Probably Azkaban and and Order of the Phoenix for some reason stand out together because I feel like like that film has a lot of muted tones in it as well, particularly in the Ministry of Magic. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's because this was the first foray for Yates, and also that was the first foray for Quaron. Yeah, that they want to do something a little different with it. To to me, the gold standard for these films is Prisoner of Azkaban. I I think that that is the gold standard. Do I think this film is as good as that? No. Do I think it's a really really good film that I could watch over and over? Yes. So for that mm-hmm. reason, I wouldn't bring it along. I think Goblet of Fire is different enough as a sports film. And I think that Sorcerer's Stone is different enough in that it's that first entry and it's more of a children's film. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of comparing the movies that, that happen afterwards to Prisoner of Azkaban in terms of how is the film crafted and put together? How is the story told? Because it's not necessarily with, with this – it's not necessarily what the story is because those stories exist in another medium. But it's sort of mm-hmm. how is that story told? What is the the manner through which they get everything communicated that's important? If it is if it is about the storytelling – and I know we're going somewhat chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to do this. Yeah. Uh, because it does it, – it is – it's the same thing with Star Wars, like you mentioned. Empire Strikes Back wins, but Star Wars set the whole thing up. But if it's if we're putting Goblet of Fire or Prisoner of Azkaban up against the Sorcerer's Stone, which is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movie, I think I can safely eliminate that one. Okay. I'm I'm comfortable with that. So if, as of right now, we've got Sorcerer's Stone. I mean, we've got uh the Prisoner of Azkaban. And the Goblet of Fire as the two that have survived thus far. We have three movies left. Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, so let's move on to uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Sure. I mean, the ending is obviously the biggest part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert again. Dumbledore dies at the end of the movie. And it is an absolutely gut-wrenching and beautiful scene and the moment that is shared between uh Michael Gambon who has taken over the role after the second movie of uh Gandalf when uh, Gandalf of uh, Dumbledore yes. when Richard Harris passed away and did an amazing job um the the moment between Severus Snape as played by Alan Rickman and Dumbledore, as played by Michael Gambon, is a heartbreaker for the ages, especially after you know it, the real facts behind it in the final movie. Yes. Um, that said, what other elements do we like from Half-Blood Prince? I mean, it's just, it feels like the stakes keep getting raised. And the stakes mm-hmm. are pretty high in this one. It's... What's going on with with Draco Malfoy? Is he a Death Eater or not? Uh, oh, Draco's a great fun character in this one with his yeah. sort of turning to the dark side. Like he never turns evil; he just turns weak. Yeah, yeah. He can't uh, he can't fulfill his father's evil. The best he mm-hmm. is, and the best he will ever be, is a bully. 
And even that, bull, you know, bullying comes from weakness. Bullying never comes from strength. Right. It comes from uh, weakness and from fear and from uh, feelings of inadequacy, which Draco, if you're the kid that grows up, you know, in the same graduating class as Harry Potter, you're going to feel that way. Yeah. And, and Lucius Malfoy is played by Jason Isaacs, who's, again, another brilliant performance. He's evil. He's mean. Oh, he's. But he's, ooh, evil. he's evil. He's not a bully. Mm-hmm. Draco's a bully. So you get to see that difference. And again, this is, this is a, a, another great child actor. He was perfect to play as a kid. He's grown to be a great, uh, a great actor in his own right. And now I think he's, he's on the flash this season, the flash oh, television he? show, which is one of the best superhero shows in TV. That's another topic for another time. Um, and, and because Draco doesn't turn out to be evil, he yeah. just turns out to be, uh, tortured. Then, uh, you wind up having him in cool things like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, because one of the major characters in that is adult Draco, who is still very much a part of, uh, Harry Potter's life. Right. Uh, and they, he's, they're not antagonists, uh, in the story. No, but we'll get to sort of where they're left at right. the end of. Um, the final film. Another shout out in uh, in uh, Half Blood Prince has to go to Jim Broadbent. Oh, sure. Jim Broadbent is fantastic in this movie. He they, he comes in as a as a what, potions master, mm-hmm. but really he comes in so that uh, Gan- so that why do I keep calling him Gandalf? Gandalf versus Dumbledore. That's on our list, right? <laughs> it um, is. I think it is. Yeah, it really is. Um, so that Dumbledore can pull these memories from him and Liquid Luck. Like, what a cool element to introduce. Daniel Radcliffe, when he is on Liquid Luck, is is really fun to watch. And also, when Ron Weasley uh, believes that he has taken Liquid Luck and then crushes it in a Quidditch match, only to find out that Harry never actually gave, to, gave it to him. Oh, it was just his uh, his fears being assuaged and his bravery that did it all along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty great. Yeah, the, like we say that after all of these, it's a great movie. Now that said, it's got all these wonderful elements. Is it better than Prisoner of Azkaban or Goblet of Fire? I I think it's better than Goblet of Fire. I think everything really. After, I you think, fell asleep during God. Oh man, I did. If Goblet of Fire doesn't win just because you fell asleep during it. I'm gonna no, be so mad. I think Goblet of Fire is a fine film. I do think the films that came after it were better movies. All right. Well, if you want to eliminate Goblet of Fire, Johnny naps a lot. I'm not I, – look, I'm not eliminating it yet. I'm just saying I believe – I think it's surviving because it's a different style of film. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It is All more right, of a Van sports Winkle. film, although it's really ultimately not a sports film. It's another dark, horrific things happen to a boy wizard film, which is a <laughs> – <laughs> Which is a new genre that JK created. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I mean it's hanging on, but – do you think it's better than Half Blood? I think Prince? the Goblet of Fire. I think Goblet of Fire is better than Half Blood Prince. Okay. All right. Well, so right now we have a first place and two competing second places. Well, it does as a as a film. Uh, they don't they don't capture all the Horcruxes at the end, so they're sort of left in a in a in an Empire Strikes Back sort of place at the end of that film where they have to go find stuff. They're not done yet. Story's mm-hmm. not finished. It's not a complete story in and of itself. And speaking of incomplete stories. Oh, here we go. 
I'm going to eliminate Deathly Hallows Part 1. It's, wow. uh, it's Ron, Hermione, and Harry camping for a whole movie. <laughs> See, I, waiting for something to happen. I liked it for the character uh, development. I agree it's not it's not going to win best film but i yeah, think the I character like it development is great but if we're looking at all these other ones dragons and mermaids versus mm-hmm. let's all go camping and talk about our feelings and ron gets angry and leaves for a month <laughs> like come on what do you want wand fights not enough wand fights for you yeah more wand fights please more wand fights all right fine i'll i'll i will be willing to eliminate it only because part 2 is so densely packed it does make you feel like Part one was sort of they got through all the character and emotional exposition just to set up a the Battle of Hogwarts and all mm-hmm. of the things that happen after it have more weight for what has happened right. in part one. It and definitely laid a great foundation for the final film, but I've never walked up to a half-built house and gone, that foundation is better than any house. Yes. Um. So let's move on to Deathly Hallows Part 2. I feel like it is – it's so good. It's so good, but it's unfair to give it the top slot. Why is that? Why is it unfair? Because it's the – because it is the culmination of everything. Just like it felt wrong – it felt a little wrong to eliminate Sorcerer's Stone because it set up the whole world. It feels a little wrong to give give the, the win to the climax of the whole thing. Because every, it is standing on the shoulders of everything else. Okay. Um, I understand. But that, that said, it's just wonderful. It's the scene where Severus Snape reveals himself as a good guy, uh, is I lost it in the theater. And I'd lived with these characters for, as everyone has for, you know, over a decade. Um, yeah. I, I, so, and, and as a film, there are a lot of notes that he has to play as a director, and there isn't a clunker in the bunch that I remember. No. And even little moments in it, like seeing character, heartbreaking moments, seeing characters that you love die, mm-hmm. not only in like big dramatic ways, the way that Snape did, but in simple ways, like, you know, you just, you're going through and there's, uh, there's uh, Lupin and his wife holding hands on stretchers. Uh, there's one of the Weasleys has died. Um, yeah. uh, the, uh, the girl who had a, like Ron's first girlfriend is dead. Like, holy cow. This is a real war. These are, these are characters that we've come to love. Yeah. And that, I, I feel like the, the heartstring tugging that happens in that movie, a lot of that comes from, you know, all the work that the other movies put in. Did you have any sense of what was going to happen? I mean, were you aware of how the plots turned out, even though you hadn't read the books? Uh, I, no, I, I, it, it kept me like, as things happened, I realized what was happening. Like when Harry realizes he's the last Horcrux. Yeah. Um, you know, moments like that, uh, there were, there were moments of, Oh, not moments of, huh? You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. So you got everything to, makes sense. You got to, but you got to experience it for the first time. I got to time. experience it as a movie. Okay. All right. I see. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a pretty great movie and it does benefit from being the last one in the series, but you can still mess that up. Return of the Jedi is the last film in that, in that initial Star Wars saga and it's not the best film. It's a very good film and it gets a lot of stuff right, but there are certain things, Ewoks, that are not so great. 
and that detract from the overall film. If if they had all of a sudden thrown something incongruous into Deathly Hallows Part Two, it would not as have been as good of a movie. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said. The the reason why you're eliminating it might be a reason to keep it, which is how well they stick the landing. Yes. I I would agree. I would agree that they stick the landing better than uh better than anyone. So then I mean Neville coming in and saving the day at the end is great. Yeah. See there you go. Um Yeah, but it's not going to beat I feel like you and I are going to you and I have been arguing about every movie save one. Okay. Which I feel like may lead that one into the victory. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I I know you love Goblet of Fire, and I feel like now I feel like I should watch it again. Just, just to, I mean, you only saw it. You really haven't ever seen it all the way through. No, no, no. I've I've seen it maybe two or three times. Okay, I should watch it again more recently to get a better view of it. I will tell you of, of the times I've seen it, I've always enjoyed it, and I appreciate its place within the the Harry Potter canon because it really blows the world up in terms of expanding it. To learn that mm-hmm. there are wizarding, wizarding schools everywhere else. And, and then, of course, in this new film, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we get to visit America and see – have you been sorted into an American house yet, Mark? No. Oh, you have to go get sorted into your American house. Puckwudgie is my house. What is it? Puckwudgie. Truckwudgie? No, Puckwudgie. Puckwudgie. Ugh, it would be. I know. It's the dumbest house name. I feel bad that like <laughs> the other ones are at least like they're like Corvette, Fire Fist. Wait, they're Corvette, Corvette. Fire Fist, no, I mean, Puckwudgie. They just sound better. Like Puckwudgie is just the one like Puckwudgie. <laughs> Puckwudgie sounds like the sound when you don't win Plinko. <laughs> like that's the name for the <laughs> that they have on the prices, right? They call that the Puckwudgie. Cue the puck, Wudgie. He didn't get the thousand. <laughs> um, but if I may, yeah. it feels like you slept through Goblet of Fire. No, no. I fell asleep um, during. I didn't sleep through it. I slept for a portion of it, a small portion. We both we both uh, think that Deathly Hallows Part 2 is great, but may I don't think it should contend for number one. Right. We've had our dif- differences in this, but the only movie that both of us went, oh – was the prisoner of Azkaban. Right. And I am, I am completely satisfied offering the top slot in the Harry Potter, uh, in the best Harry Potter film episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. I am very satisfied offering that spot to Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban. I think I agree with you. So let me say, people of the world. Ooh. Magical people, fantastic beasts, giants, ogres. Hey, what about us? Goblins. Thanks. <laughs> You've had a. What fa- about us? Okay, enough out of you, trolls. Oh. Now, you've had a wonderful eight films, and and hopefully a great ninth film made about you. And the films are beloved by so many people. You've got theme park areas, merchandise out the wazoo, books, 
Books on books on tape. Oh, Harry, books. You got to listen to the books on tape. And he had Jim, Jim Dale. Jim, keep it together, Jim. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh. But when you look at these films, sometimes you have to put aside your favorite to realize what is best. And that's something that Mark and I struggle with all the time. And some of you are going to struggle with this too because the best Harry Potter film was made by the best filmmaker. And David Yates is a fine filmmaker. Christopher Columbus is a fine filmmaker. Mike Newell is a fine filmmaker. But Alfonso Cuaron is a transcendent filmmaker. He's an award-winning filmmaker. He made being trapped in space exciting for a really long time. That could have been a way more boring a film than it was. It was very enjoyable. He he captured something. He made me feel something for the entire length of that film. I was emotionally invested. And the visuals were interesting. And I could be talking about Gravity right now, or I could be talking about Prisoner of Azkaban, and you wouldn't even know. Because those elements are all there. What he does with those films, and that one in particular, that Harry Potter film is elevated in a way that no other film is elevated in that series. And it stands out as, as a diamond in a group of slightly smaller diamonds. It's not even in the rough. <laughs> see, I like the other movies. I'm not bagging a on diamond me. in the jewelry store. <laughs> Bring me the diamond in the jewelry store, Iago. Oh, <laughs> okay. Hold on. I got, I got to buy it. I gotta I'm buy sorry, I didn't mean diamond. to interrupt your people of the world. Let me go get this diamond. <laughs> Guys, that was my terrible Gilbert Gottfried impression. But you know what's not terrible? The best Harry Potter film, which is Prisoner of Azkaban, asked and answered. So put that in Bam. your flue and then transport yourself somewhere. Yeah. Do you know what I say to all those other movies? What? Expelliarmus. Oh! Boo! Of Oh, I'm dead. No, the movies. Oh, I aimed it wrong. Mark, wake up. Oh, God. Oh, God. Save me. Phoenix Feather. Phoenix Feather. Um, Sorry. Phoenix Tear. Phoenix Tear. Phoenix Tear. Boy, that Phoenix has to like you to bring you back to life. Yeah, no kidding. If that Phoenix doesn't care about you, you are not going to be revived. Yeah. Think about all those people who were dead at the end of the movie. Hey, can we get that Phoenix up in here for a little while? (laughs) Phoenix is like, "Mm, I'm unaffected by this. Why don't you drip some tears on that crazy girl that Ron dated? <laughs> What's the opposite of an emo? That's what that phoenix became. Oh. I felt nothing. <laughs> felt nothing. All right. Uh, well, that, that topic is closed. Yes. We will close the big toothy book on best Harry Potter film. But there are many more topics for us to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. There's probably a flame war happening right now. Or go to facebook.com forward slash We Got This Podcast or send us an email at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and song, respectively. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, graphic designer Uri Kelman, researcher Kate McManus, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And, of course, thank you, as always, to you, our our faithful listeners. Thank you for letting us uh, gab on about one of our favorite things. Be ye Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Slytherin, or was it Turkey Truck? What was yours? Oh, Pukwudgie. Thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Gagliardi. 
For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.